John chapter 4. Going back to John chapter 3, we saw that Jesus was growing in popularity and he was beginning to be flocked by the crowds and the crowds were growing and we see that Jesus would be baptizing and not Jesus but his disciples would be baptizing. We learn as we move into chapter number four. But we'll see that as we enter chapter four that Jesus is going to leave where he is and he's going to head back to Galilee. And we saw last week that he decided to not travel the normal way back to Galilee, but to travel through uh, Samaria. And while he's here, he comes to Jacob's well, and he stops there. The Bible tells us here in chapter 4 that as he comes to this well there in verse number 6, that he is wearied or he is, he is tired. And so he sits down to rest, and his disciples, those with him, decided to go to town and, and to get some food while he's there. And so as he's resting, it's about noon, probably the hot part of the day, and we find that a woman arrives to get water from the well. And here in this passage, we'll see an interesting interaction between Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, and this unknown Samaritan woman. Now, as we go through this passage, there are many lessons uh, that we can learn, but I want you to see this interesting interaction between these folks here. Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to see these uh, young ladies baptized. Lord, what a, what a blessing it is to see those that trust Christ as their Savior that want to, uh, Lord, profess publicly. Lord, that they've trusted Christ and that they've turned from their sin and by faith received salvation through Christ. And Lord, now they want to live their life for, for him. And Lord, I pray that we as a church would stay faithful to your word. Lord, that we would come alongside these folks and be a help in their spiritual growth and encouragement as they live for you all the days of their life. Lord, I pray for others here that need Christ as their Savior. May today be the day that they accept Christ. I pray for others that need to make that public profession. Lord, I pray that they would, uh, Lord, be bold and proclaim, Lord, their faith in Jesus Christ through the public uh, means of baptism. Lord, as we come to this portion of our service where we have the preaching of your word, Lord, I pray that as we learn some lessons, Lord, we would take these and apply them to our lives on a daily basis. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the reality is, is all of us have found ourselves in maybe what we'll say interesting uh, interactions with people in our society and in our community. For many of us, we found ourselves in awkward situations um, and things like we thought, okay, how am I going to get out of this, you know, situation? And Jesus comes to the well, and really this is not an awkward situation for him because he came with a purpose. He came wanting to come to this well. He understood that he would find himself there at this time of day, and this woman would come to come to the well. But I want you to learn some lessons from our Savior in the midst of this interesting interaction that really we can apply to our own life. First of all, look at the people that are interacting here. The people. And I don't want you to miss this. We see that Jesus, obviously he's the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is God come in the flesh. And, but for those in that realm and in that time and that society, Jesus was a male Jew. And this woman even questioned Christ himself. Notice with me in verse number 7, the Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water... Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it 
that thou, notice this, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So we see that we have Jesus, who is a male Jew, and now we have a woman, a female, that is of the nation of Samaria. So the first problem is that Jesus is a man, and here is a single woman out there, and they're having this, this conversation. That, that would not be norm uh, for that society at that, at that time. The second thing is, is she brings it up, you are Jewish and I am a Samaritan. And this goes way back some 500 years, and we talked a little bit about it last week on how they, the Samaritans begin to uh, intermarry with the Assyrians. And so now these Samaritans were half Jews and half other cultures, other nations. And not only that, they begin to intermingle um, Judaism and their religion with false religions um, from these other nations. And so really they, they were pagans. And so the Jews looked down upon them as somebody that they would not interact with. And the amazing thing is, is not only is Jesus having a conversation with this woman, but Jesus says to her, give me to drink. He asked her to serve him, but more importantly, he, he has no vessels. We'll see that here in just a minute. So she must take her dishes, her pots, and draw the water to give to Jesus. I mean, so he was having this conversation, and now he's willing to drink out of her utensils. You talk about, about contamination for a, a male Jew at that time. I mean, this was something that, that was taboo. This, this, did not, this did not happen. You know, we live in a society that is at war right now. And, and they want to create more and more division amongst what we call races in our society and ethnic groups of people. And, and it, it seems like the media and those in politics want to do everything they can to divide. Now, I understand there is a history of racism uh, throughout not just the American culture, but throughout the world altogether. We think of this as an American issue, but you go to China and there are Chinese people that look down upon other Chinese people. And there's a race issue there. And you go to almost any country and any culture, you you find this, you find this issue. Now, biblically, this should not, this should not be so. But unfortunately, many have grown up in, in different heritages, different homes, different cultures, and, and so we, we have this divide. And, and can I just stop right here and say, there should never be a person, notice what I said, there should never be a person that we believe is beneath us, it doesn't matter what race they might be or ethnic group. We know biblically we're all one race, but what ethnic group they had come from, what financial status they are in, whether they're Southerners or Northerners, or whether they're from out West or, or from the East, it, it doesn't matter. We all have been created in the image of God. And all of us are equal in the eyes of God. And one of the great issues that we face in our world today, even as a Christian culture, is that Christians even find themselves kind of being standoffish. Listen, there should be nobody that we come in contact with that we're not willing to share the gospel with. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All need to turn from their sin and receive Jesus Christ and his free gift of salvation by the grace of God. And so we should never find ourselves in a situation where we struggle to communicate with somebody because of some physical or some worldly, worldly standard. I'll just be honest with you. If that's your mindset, that is as sinful as you can possibly be. I'm so grateful that I'm created in the image of God. 
and so are you. And so all those that listen to this message, all those that we come into contact with, you know, we, we have this, you know, stereotypes and, and we, we, we must overcome them. So we see that this interesting interaction between a Jewish male and this Samaritan woman. This, this was not normal. This was not an everyday occurrence that was about to, about to take place. The second thing I want you to see from this passage is the focus on this interaction. The focus on this interaction. Now Jesus knew that she would be there and he came with a purpose. And so he's going to transition here the conversation in just a moment. But I want you to notice here, her focus was on the physical. She, Jesus says, give me to drink. And, and she says, why are you a, a man, a Jewish man talking to me, a Samaritan woman? And Jesus answered in verse 10, and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his, his cattle? Notice there her focus. She didn't understand what Christ was talking about because she was only focused on the, the physical needs right there in the moment of, of drawing the water out of this well. So often we interact with people in our society and, and their sole focus is on the physical needs and wants that they have right now. We, we try to have a, a conversation with them and, 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 and all they're consumed with, and we oftentimes find ourselves in that same situation. We're, we're just constantly consumed with what's happening right now right here. Now we know that God loves us and we know that God is working all things together for our good and, and we understand that, but we want our needs satisfied right here. And we live in a society and a culture where we are so wrapped up in what's the price of gas and, and what's it going on with inflation and, and what's going on with the war in Ukraine. We lose sight of, of the spiritual and that's what this lady was. Oftentimes, those that are unbelievers, that are focused on the physical things, they even mock spiritual things. We try to have conversations with them. And, and we see that here with this lady. She asked Christ himself, are, are you think that you're greater? Do you really think that you, this Jewish man, that you're, you're greater than our father Jacob? I mean, think about it. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and Jesus. Like, that we say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, Jacob's one of the patriarchs. And, you, and they, she's wanting to mock what Jesus is saying and who he, who he is. And that's where this lady found herself. herself as she's confronted with, with Jesus. But we see Jesus had a different focus. He wasn't focused on the water and the well. He wasn't focused on meeting physical needs at this time. And so he's going to transition then the conversation and so my third point today is the awkward conversation. The awkward conversation. I've been in many conversations that were normal, and, and then all of a sudden they take a turn, and things become awkward. But I want you to look with me at verse number 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now, they're having this conversation about water, and she says, the woman saith, Sir, give me this water I, that I thirst not. 
And so Jesus is telling her about this water, this water that causes you not to thirst anymore and that satisfies. And, and she says, okay, then I want this water. And so then he says to her, go and, go and call then your husband. What he's doing here is he's bringing up her sin. Because we see in her response. Notice what she says there. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband, and that says thou truly. Jesus is dealing with her sin. Now, I'll submit to you, the problem here is not this particular sin. The problem was is that she needed to understand that she is a sinner. She needed to come to that realization that, that, listen, in order to receive this water, in order to receive this water that will satisfy your thirst, you need to understand that your need for this water, you need to understand that you're a sinner. You know, we have such a hard time. And it becomes very awkward, doesn't it? When we tell people that they're sinners. You know, I, I think we should use normal life circumstances to build relationships. And, and, and at some point, though, we have to confront people if we're going to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we might be having conversations about sports or, you know, work or whatever it might be in life. And then all of a sudden, the conversation changes. And we have to say to them, listen, we want, I want you to understand that you're a sinner. You're a bad person. I mean, you're, you're mean. You're evil. You're, you're wicked in, in the eyes of God. And, and listen, that's, that's hard. And that's awkward. But can I tell you, there must be conviction in people's lives if there's going to be salvation. We've so missed that in our society, even in the church today. If this lady was, is to be saved, she must deal with her sin. She must come to the place of repentance that starts with conviction. And people need to understand their sin if they're going to see the value of grace. We live in a society where people think they're good. Because they judge themselves against you and me and against one another. And, and they look at the news reports and see people getting shot all over the place. And people being robbed and breaking out of prison and, and rapes and murders. And they say, listen, I'm not that person and so therefore I'm good. And they don't understand their sin. Therefore, they don't understand the value of grace and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And so really the, what, what is happening here is Jesus is confronting her with her sin. Now, how do I know this is awkward? Because this lady is having a conversation and everything she says, she's very talkative with the Lord. Hey, listen, let's talk about this water and I don't understand, you know, why you're a Jew talking to me. And, and notice when he says, go get your husband, notice what she says. I have no husband. Um, um, this is not a subject I want to talk about. Really, this is not even any of your business. Like, I can see the Lord getting to her at this point. Even to the point where we see that she wants to change the, change the subject. She, notice what she says here. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive then that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in the mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So Jesus is confronting her. And this happens oftentimes when I witness the people, and I, and I confront them about their sin. 
well, let's not talk about my sin. Let's talk about this Bible question. Here she says, now our fathers say from the last 500 years that we're to, you know, because the Samaritans really only followed the first five books of the Old Testament, we're, we're to worship here in this mountain. And you, the Jews, say that we're to worship down here in, in Jerusalem. And so she tries to change the subject with these religious questions. Well, you know, you're a pastor, you're a religious person, so you know the Bible, so let me then ask you, ask you this question. And she then brings up this debate between the Jews and the Samaritans. You know, people in our day and age, it's interesting, know enough Bible to argue and debate. They, they know enough verses to take out of context. This woman knows about religion. She knows the difference between the Samaritans and the Jews and, and their religion. And so now she's going to use that to deflect the conversation. In a sense, she's really asking, well, you know, where should we go to church? Where should we worship God? Because she did not want to be faced with her sin. But notice what Jesus does. He, he brings her back. He, he says, okay, basically, we can deal with those questions. And listen, I'll be happy to answer those questions and help you in those areas. But listen, that's not the priority. That's not really what you need right now. We need to come back. And it's interesting, you know, in our flesh as Christians, we'll witness to somebody and they'll bring up a, an issue and we'll want to correct them in that area. We'll want to debate and we'll want to fight with them about that issue. And, and listen, what happens is we get off track so often because we want to prove our point and, and make sure they're set straight. Listen, they need not to be set straight about this, 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 and this. They need to come to understand that they're a sinner that needs Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's where this lady was. And so Christ brings her back then to this conversation. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. You know what we worship for salvation, or we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And so he brings her attention to the, the need of the Messiah and the fact that the Messiah was going to come. And then notice what he says in verse 26. He saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus brings her back to the matter at hand. It's not about, it's not about what you do. It's not about the ceremonies or our religious activity. It's not about what we do. True worship True worship is a thankful interaction with God where we express our love for him. And he's trying to get her to understand that, what true worship is. But it's not about where you worship. We, we know that the church was established for this day and the church is where we gather together for corporate worship and through the church, uh, the, the corporately, the Lord was going to use to take the gospel message to the world. But, but she needed to understand it's not about where you worship. It's not, it's not about your religious activity. Listen, I know that you know the, the first five books of the Old Testament. And if you're a Jew, you know the Old Testament scriptures. And it, listen, if you're here today and you've grown up in church, you might know the Bible and have a lot of it memorized. 
And you might go church to church week in and week out, and, and you might have been in this church and that church and, and, and looking and, and searching, but we have to come to understand it, it's not about the church and it's not about the religious activity, but it's only through Jesus Christ that we can receive salvation. We live in a world that is filled with religious activity, and we've lost sight of the need of our world. It's not about Jew or Samaritan. It's not about what ethnic group you're a part of. It's not about rich or poor. We've seen throughout history that the, the rich have um, put down the poor and, and removed access to the poor people for the, and kept things for themselves. James uses the illustration of honoring the rich over the poor and how wrong that is. It's not about bond or free. It's not about religious or not religious. In our immediate culture today, it's not about Democrat or Republican. It's about Jesus. And it's about dealing with our sin. And the only way to deal with our sin is through Jesus Christ. And so this lady is trying to deflect and not deal with her sin. And so Christ brings the attention. He brings the attention back, back to her in this immediate conversation. And she says, I know that one day the Messiah is going to come and he's going to deliver us. And what does Jesus say? I am he. We live in a society where people will say, I know, I believe in God. I, you know, it's amazing to me, people are just like this woman. They, they go home and they live in their sin. They curse and they're immoral and they're drunkards and they're involved in all kinds of, they're liars and all kinds of sinful activity. And then they show up and say, hey, praise Jesus. I love Jesus. And, and unfortunately, the quote-unquote church has allowed this type of behavior to happen because we're not getting people to understand the issue is, is sin. Listen, you can go out and live however you want and then go to church on Sunday, but it does no good to, for you. You can, you can go to the nightclubs and you can go and live and selfishly and be prideful and arrogant and ungodly out there in the weekend and believe that you come to church. And, and listen, you can go find somebody to confess your sin to. And, and listen, it does absolutely nothing. It does absolutely nothing for you to go through the religious activity thinking that I've, I've helped myself in some way. If you have never turned from your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are lost and on your way to hell. And that's where this lady found herself. She was religious and she was living an immoral lifestyle and she was on her way to hell. And what did Jesus say to her? You might know the Messiah is coming. You might know that there is a Jesus. And Jesus says to her, I am he. I am the one. Later he's going to say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father. There's no way you have a relationship with God. There's no way you have your sins forgiven. There's no way you have eternal life except through me. And that's what he's telling this woman. You know, that's the message you need here today if you don't know Christ as your Savior. That's the message that we as a church need to take to this world. 
Listen, we can get out there and protest. We can debate. Listen, we can help people with all of the political issues, and we can help people with all the moral issues that we want to help. And we can scream and shout about abortion, and we should stand up against abortion, and we can scream and shout against homosexuality, and we should do that as well. And listen, but we need to tell people that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Because listen, they can change their views on abortion, and they can change their views on homosexuality and still die in their sin and go to hell. We need to get the issue back to reality and back to what they need, and that is Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's where Jesus brought. You know, we should be having awkward conversations in life. You say, well, you know, I built this relationship up, and I really don't want to challenge them about their sin because then it might hinder the relationship. Then why are you building the relationship? As a Christian, why are we interacting with them? Why, why are we building this? Well, because I want to have friends, and I want to have people to golf with. I want people to you know, go out to eat with. I want, I want people to like me. I want to be popular. Listen, your thinking's all wrong. Jesus didn't tell us to go into the world to be popular. Some of the least popular people in the world were those that followed him. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. Why? Because they confronted people about their sin. You need to turn from your sin. You need to turn to Jesus Christ. We need to get back to the, the job of confronting people. And I know it's going to be awkward. I know it's going to be awkward. We find ourselves many times having awkward conversations in so many areas. If you're a parent, you have to have awkward conversations. When your kids disobey, when they do wrong, as they grow up, you've got to teach them things of life. There's awkward conversations. Listen, if you're not having them with your children, you're a terrible parent. Let's be honest. You're, you, you need to have those conversations to help them grow into young men and young women that they should be. As a Christian, we should be having awkward conversations with our coworkers and, and friends and, and family. It's okay to have these conversations. I think about the doctor. He runs to all the tests on his patient, and he realizes stage four cancer. He goes to his colleague and he says, you know, I really like this guy. Man, he's, he's been a friend of mine for years. You know, he's a buddy. And I just, I just, I don't know that I can tell him he has cancer. You know, I just, we're just going to just ride this thing out. That way we can play golf. And I just don't want things to be uncomfortable between us. How many of you believe a doctor would do that? That's foolishness. No way. He's going to say, listen, you have cancer and here's the treatment and you, this is what we need to do so that you can live and have life. And listen, we're very passionate about saving people's lives today and keeping them alive longer in our society today. We're doing everything we can to proclaim them. And yet as Christians, they often let people die because we don't want to have that awkward conversation. There's something even worse than cancer in your physical body. And it's sin that has separated you from God. And Jesus is the only way. 